So Money episode 1114, Financial Independence for Teachers with professor and author Mark Shug. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. And I was talking to a second grade teacher who lives in the neighborhood. And I was telling her, hey, you know, we've got this new book called Teachers Can Be Financially Fit, Economist Advice for Educators. And she turned to me with a big smile and she says, oh, well, it's a joke book then. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our show today is dedicated to teachers out there. If you are a teacher, if you're married to a teacher, your loved ones are teachers, share this episode. It's important. I think now more than ever, as we are in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a recession, teachers are at the heart and soul and matter of everything. A functioning society, a thriving society depends on many people, but in particular teachers. And I happen to think that at least from where I stand, I think that we're not giving enough credit to teachers, enough praise, but also money, right? It's no secret that affording life as a teacher is difficult. The salaries are not high. The work is extremely important. And our guest today has some solutions for teachers to build economic independence. Mark Shug is a professor at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. He's president of Mark Shug Consulting, and he's the author of the new book, Teachers Can Be Financially Fit, Economists' Advice for Educators. You just heard him tell the story of his book to his neighbor, a teacher who laughed it off, didn't think it could be possible. Well, not going to lie, it's not easy, but Mark and I have a really thorough conversation about how teachers can get further along. And a lot of teachers have come onto this show talking about leveraging their entrepreneurial interests, creating extra revenue streams. So we talk about that, but also how to invest, how to save. I think some changes are afoot in the education industry. I think some positive changes down the road. And I look forward to a day where we appreciate and value our teachers, financially value our teachers a lot more. In the meantime, here's my conversation with Mark Shug. I hope you enjoy it. Mark Shug, welcome to So Money. It's great to have you on the show. Farnoosh, thanks for asking me to come. Of course. Any friend of Susan Beecham's is a friend of mine, audience. Susan and I are besties. She's been on the show a lot, and she's one of the champions of financial literacy. If you've got a money-savvy pig in your house, that pig with the four slots, save, spend, donate, invest, or you've seen it, it's so popular, she invented it. And uh, we met actually on an assignment. I was writing a story like 20 odd years ago for Money Magazine about just, I had to find someone interesting who was doing something interesting in the world of financial literacy, found a clipping of Susan who was taking like, I think five-year-olds to a McDonald's shareholders meeting. (laughs) I thought that's interesting. And the rest is history. So fast forward to a few weeks ago, she emailed me and said, Farnoosh, you've got to talk to Mark. He's written an incredible book. 
He's been a financial educator for his entire career. He's a friend, and I and I was sold. Uh, she didn't really have to sell you too too high. Like you, clearly, you're doing amazing work, and the timing is just right, I think, to connect with you. And this book that you've written, this latest book called "Teachers Can Be Financially Fit: Economists' Advice for Educators." I want to help out teachers right now, and the best way I know how is to maybe give them some financial literacy, education, advice. So this book is really hitting us at, a, at an important time. It's it's a hard time for teachers right now. So first, Mark, welcome to the show. And tell us, what was the inspiration for this book? Did you even know it was going to come out at a time like this? Well, for sure. We did not know that it was going to come out at a time like this. And just before we leave the subject completely, yeah, Susan is an old friend. We've worked together for many different, many years uh, and so I'm very, very grateful to her for connecting the two of us together here today. We've been talking about this for a long time. Susan's one of the reasons that we finally finished the book. I had kind of put the whole idea on the shelf for a long time. But just to tell you a, a quick story, this uh, Labor Day weekend, we had a little block party in our neighborhood. God, we were all social distanced and whatnot. And I was talking to a second grade teacher who lives in the neighborhood. And I was telling her, hey, you know, we've got this new book called Teachers Can Be Financially Fit, Economist Advice for Educators. And she turned to me with a big smile and she says, oh, well, it's a joke book then. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's part of the story is that so many teachers and that we actually followed up with a, a pretty detailed survey of teachers that we did to prepare us more to write the book. And, you know, teachers have this little cloud over their head that, that they tell themselves, and, and of course, they make a modest income. And then the kind of, what, ethic, the kind of culture in a lot of schools is that, well, we can never get rich and we watch our friends get rich, but we can never get rich. So part of the purpose of this book is to say, hey, look, you have a good job. You've got a lot of job security. You've got some benefits that nobody else has. You don't make a ton of money. That's right. So what are we going to do? to make sure that you can be financially fit. And that's what this book uh, is about. So without giving away the entire book, because we do want everybody to purchase it and give it to a teacher friend, a great gift for the holidays. Tell us where to begin. If you are a teacher listening or married to a teacher or about to become a teacher and you've been kind of, you know, what you say, I think is, is right. I think that they're like, like a lot of artists feel this way too. It's like, I'm doing this for the love of the craft. I, I don't anticipate making a lot of money and it's just not what, it's not in my cards uh, in this profession. What are some like key steps that everybody today maybe can even start, even if it's a mindset shift or actual money moves? Well, I think one of the real problems that we face here is that a lot of teachers get off to a bad start. You know, there's some issues in the financial community, the financial institutions. Uh, some teachers have gotten, you know, really a lot of pressure to get into a 403B plan that involves uh, insurance products that are annuities. And those are often kind of high cost and uh, low return. And they're, they're not often exposed to the other types of advice that they would get from other financial advisors and that sort of thing. Uh, we worry a little bit that the state retirement pensions that teachers have sometimes may give them a little bit of a false sense of security. And of course, they are defined benefit plans, 
Uh, and, you know, that's, you know, like the gold standard for a retirement plan. But of course, in a lot of these plans are are in big trouble in terms of being underfunded. And then teachers in private schools and private universities and colleges, you know, they often have very, very modest benefits uh, in charters. I know charter schools where teachers barely are given a 403B. They're not allowed to permit in the state, participate in the state retirement plan. So there's a, and then, uh, you know, the, the financial, uh, it turns out that the people who teach are largely female, uh, 77%, as a matter of fact, and increasing rather than decreasing. And, uh, and you know, you, you've been doing your show for years. I mean, you know that, that women are often, there are- We need money. We yeah. need money, Mark. Yeah. We can't we can't <laughs> subside on That's right. $30,000 a year for the rest of our lives. Uh, and then to be, to your point, sold products that are not beneficial to us, financial products. Yeah. So now to get to more directly to your question, what advice do we have for teachers? Well, the first thing we do is sort of in chapter one, we kind of say, you've got to get over this, uh, we can't do it kind of thing. And if you look around in your building, you're going to see people who are near retirement that really are millionaires. And how did they do that? Well, you know, they made certain choices with their modest income. And that has, they got on a path that, you know, you you read those stories and occasionally in the newspaper that, this teacher passed away and then she left a million dollars to a clinic or to her university. Well, how did that happen? Well, you know, those cases are out there. And, uh, you, you know, I think teachers would be surprised to realize when you're getting late in your career, when your house is paid off, when the kids' college educations are attended to, and if you have gotten started down some right saving and investing paths, you can certainly be successful. So our the first chapter is sort of a you know, read the book, understand that you have to make some important choices that are a little hard. You know, the secret sauce is you have to spend less than you receive. And once you, you first, you have to take that on board so that you can get toward the saving and investing process. And we know that's hard. I, you know, it's like I always compare it to getting on a healthy diet and doing regular exercise. So economists like to talk about costs and benefits a lot. And, uh, you know, when you're going to go on that healthy diet, well, the costs are right real, they're immediate, they're right in front of you. And you know, you you can't have that beautiful prime rib on Friday night and that you have to sacrifice that in order to get a healthier diet. But when do the benefits occur? Well, the benefits are going to appear weeks, maybe even months down the road. And that's in the future. And you know, it's not 100% certain that it's going to happen either. You, you may stumble along the way. So you the costs are immediate and real, and the benefits are uncertain and in the future. It, this requires some education. This requires for people to get mm-hmm. some knowledge. That's number one. And then they have to buckle it down and, and take action. But you know, the, the advice of spend less then you earn. That's everyone should follow that. And I think with teachers, they are in a really different boat in that they often have to teach in high cost of living areas. Their salaries don't ma- match that. They I mean, right now they're virtual, but largely they're not. I'd like to assume that we're not going to, this is not the new normal of everything becoming virtual. They will have to go back into a classroom one day and be close to the school. And, and that, you know, sometimes that's a non-negotiable um, it's not fair to tell everybody don't go to these cities to teach 
because that's sometimes where the need is greatest. Um, And it's not fair to say, don't go the public route, go maybe the private route where the salary could be a little bit higher. No, by and large, by and large, private schools, teachers make much less than the public. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, for for sure. (laughs) Well, that's a crime. Um, (laughs) Having paid private school tuition. Well, ask the um, teachers what they actually get paid. Maybe some of the, I was on the school board of a real high end school. Uh, Those teachers probably get paid very well. But if you, if you look at the averages can be deceiving, I know, but just think about your typical inner city Catholic school uh, or Lutheran school. You know, those teachers are just not making a lot of money. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I do think there's a lot to be said about the mindset changing. And one thing that I have, I've interviewed a lot of, not a lot, but I've enough teachers on this podcast who have gone on to exercise their entrepreneurial skill set. And even now we're seeing it where there's a lot of need for supplemental education, alternative education, homeschooling, and it's completely upended uh, what we think is the normal way to learn. And as a result, parents and teachers are, because with, for lack of leadership, really, it's like individual teachers and individual parents coming together to figure out alternatives. Teachers are, can make a lot of money right now, even leaving their school district and going into just people's backyards and teaching first graders. I mean, I just interviewed, I I, I just spoke with a a service, $100 an hour for a teacher to come to your house. I believe she's not going to make that in public school or private school. So is part of the advice like broaden your horizon? Yes, we have uh, chapter three. It's like you've (laughs) a very early chapter. I, okay. That makes sense. We made it a very early chapter. Well, you know, the second chapter is kind of the live below your means and, and uh, uh, a budgeting chapter. The third chapter is directly on earning extra income. Uh, in our interviews, in our survey that we did of teachers, that was something that really popped out, that teachers don't believe they can make it just on their own salary. And, you know, a lot of people go into teaching to be home with their families during the summer. So I'm not just saying it's all about earning extra income. However, kind of like you're suggesting, if you are a bit of an entrepreneur, uh, you can Uh, there's lots of opportunities available to you today that didn't exist a few years ago. And then we cite a couple of cases. I mean, I knew a world history teacher for many years. Uh, He used to take kids to Europe. uh, And, uh, you know, so you'd visit the ancient world and that kind of thing. Just great uh, firsthand kind of learning. Well, guess what? Over the years, he finally, you know, just went into the travel business. He just started his own business. Um, There's lots of examples of that. And I want to keep good teachers in the classroom. Uh, and a lot of teachers, I'd say, I don't know if I can say the majority, because we had a lot of teachers that, you know, drive Uber in the summertime, paint houses, build swimming pools. There's all kinds of things they do. Uh, we have one teacher that ran the concessions in a great big summer festival. And his take, he taught in a private school. His take was that I make, I work in the summer to make enough money so I don't have to depend so much on my teaching job. <laughs> so, right. So there are my, a lot of my stories. My teaching job is that. my passion. And then I, you know, I, I actually have more money making gigs on the side right. that are more for paying the bills. Well, and, and just to address briefly, uh, uh, we do have a chapter on housing for teachers uh, to kind of get into some of the issues you're talking about. And now there are some other programs to try and help teachers that are, as you said, that's a really, you know, in 
cities like New York and Los Angeles, San Francisco, uh, very high cost of living cities. It's, it's hard for a teacher to find something normal that they can get. Mark, you are a professor. And in, for, for many teachers, that is the ultim, ultimate goal, right? Uh, professors, uh, depending, of course, you can make a very great living. You can get tenure. You know, I, I think a lot of professors enjoy their work. They get to do the work that they uh, were uh, always excited to do, the research, the teaching. It's Living in a college town is also has its benefits. How do you get one of those coveted jobs well, for anyone listening who kind of wants to rise through the ranks? Yeah. Uh, well, you need to get a PhD. And sure. uh, that's sort of, and I started as a high school teacher myself. Uh, and so I, I wound up uh, getting into higher education. That's not a real common path. Most people wow. in higher ed, you know, go directly into um, graduate programs uh, just upon finishing wow. their undergraduate program. But in any event, uh, we actually have a chapter on uh, on higher education wow. connection. And there are pro- this is changing too. tenure is not as widely available as it once was. Uh, a lot of administrators today much prefer to hire under contracts, rather long-term contracts, rather uh, as uh, uh, tenured uh, faculty. Um, in small liberal arts schools, I was at a fairly large university. I agree with everything you said. I love teaching. I like to doing the writing. Uh, I like doing the speaking. I, this was the perfect job for me. A lot of people in the smaller liberal arts schools have more trouble. Uh, they feel they're poorly paid. They work night and day. Somebody's, the irony. Yeah. You were at a public university, Wisconsin, right? Right. Okay. Uh, Sarah Lawrence, one of the highest tuitions, liberal arts. I would, I would, I don't want to know what their teachers are making. You know, I mean, to, to hear what you're saying is just, I, again, a crime. How can they do this? And they have endowments. It's well, just wrong. You know, there, there are markets in play here, but uh, there's a supply and demand thing going on. But it's still true. Um, no, our, our uh, youngest daughter is a professor at Widener University. Uh, she's in the psychology department there in Philadelphia. And I, I can report that. Uh, her salary is not what you might think it should be. Um, it, you know, if you're an economist going to be hired at just about any state school, I, I haven't looked lately. It's going to be around 120 to start. Yeah. And well, can I add if you ever if your book ever goes into a second printing and maybe this is already in there, but you know, we've been talking a lot lately because of just the times and realizing recognizing that financial independence is a heavy lift and there's a lot of personal responsibility to achieving financial success, but there are systemic problems too that need to change. So one that I'm recognizing just in hearing you talk about the behind the scenes of the industry is like, can we raise the pay? Can we raise the bar, the, the, the pay bar for teachers? Don't, aren't they important? I would, I would argue they're just as important as doctors in a functioning society. It's coming to light now more than ever. I feel like the education system, public education, we're not prioritizing it. It's why bars are getting opened up earlier than uh, kindergarten classes. And it's why, you know, fraternities are opening up sooner than, you know, first grade. It seems 
weird to me. And I think that's a clear area for progress. Would you agree that this is this is also an issue we need to take to the highest powers? Well, I, I agree with that last statement for sure. In fact, teachers have been treated you know, with this annuity problem. I mean, the Securities and Exchange Commission right now is investigating a, a few companies that may have kind of you know, overly encourage teachers into these annuity programs. They're talking about a trillion dollars of teacher investment money that that could have had alternative uses uh, if uh, you know if they'd known more about what they were actually getting into. Teacher salaries do vary quite a bit around the country. I mean, this is always so true in many situations in the United States. It's certainly true in education. You know, a teacher in New York City makes a pretty good income. Uh, a teacher in Illinois makes a pretty good income. A teacher in Arizona, not so much. A teacher in Florida, not so much. You know, a teacher in Alabama, not so much. And uh, there's been a big effort here in Florida to get everybody up to an over $40,000 starting salary. Uh, and I'm sure teachers in New York City uh, and in New Jersey start at a much higher rate than that. Plus, their their benefits packages are sort of Amazing. I mean, they often retire very near. Uh, you got to put in your forty years, right? I mean, that's a long stint to teach eighth grade. Uh, but if you are willing to put in your forty years, you can retire at nearly full salary and full benefits. And yeah. you know, now you and I know people in the private sector would say, "Oh my God, you know, what a wonderful thing." Now you got to teach eighth grade for forty years, and that's a, that's not. I taught eighth grade for a while. That's not an easy uh, proposition, um, and so it does vary around the country uh, uh, somewhat on on how well teachers uh, are treated. But I think your main point stands uh, terrifically. Yeah. And listeners, I want to encourage you, I've done some episodes on how some teachers have really leveraged their skill set to bring in a lot more money. There was one couple in particular, I remember one was a librarian, the wife was a librarian, the husband was a, uh, I think he taught science and also coached football. And they both started to basically sell their curriculum that they had created online for other teachers around the country to learn from. And and they made, I mean, and really what they were learning, what they had to learn, the, the, the learning curve for them, because they've already got the skills as teachers. So the, the learning curve for them was to learn the internet and how to market online. But they took some courses and then they figured it out and they were on the show talking about how they made a million dollars worth of sales between the two of them. That's and, that's just a beautiful and, story. Yeah. And then they can go back to their teaching jobs with so much more peace of mind. You know, when you can have any job without the burden of worrying about your finances, I mean, that's immeasurable. I mean, you can, you can basically go to work and just focus on the work. Well, the other thing about... It's a luxury. The other thing about teachers is that they see young people every day. And if we're really concerned, this is where, you know, Susan's work and, and other people uh, who have who worry about young people not getting uh, a good financial education. And obviously that's very uh, hit and miss uh, around the country. Um, I mean, financial education used to be fairly common in the United States. Math courses in particular used to offer all kinds of practical 
you know, compounding interest examples, how to run your checking account and things like that. That stuff just is not around anymore. And so kids are sort of at sea in a lot of cases. And a lot of kids come from families that don't provide the background uh, and because they didn't have it themselves. I mean, but, but, you know, think about the bigger message here. What if large numbers of teachers could really be, as you said, financially secure? Think about their confidence and then think about their confidence in front of their children. And the first thing a good teacher, as soon as a good teacher learns something new and gets good at it, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to share it with their kids. And that's, you know, our main goal is to help teachers uh, become financially fit, but economists would call this a positive externality. The other thing we're looking for is uh, the other thing we're looking for is, yeah, a confident teacher in the classroom in terms of his or her finances is going to be a much more of an advocate in school, uh, going to be willing to include those math examples and and integrate financial concepts uh, uh, into the the student's curriculum. So that's also uh, a reason that teachers are a little different then uh, nurses or other professions that might seem a little underserved in terms of finances. Uh, one friend of mine said he loved the book and he said, you should write a book called, uh, what was it? Humanity professors uh, can be financially fit. <laughs> one lines we talked about before. But anyway, uh, so this idea that teachers work in classrooms with young people uh, and are important uh, in in the lives of their students. That's another reason mm-hmm. why we think this book is important. Wouldn't it be something if the government said, if you want to become a teacher, you know, we'll pay for your schooling because we want to we want to encourage more people to become teachers. And I think that the hurdle of carrying that debt and then entering a field where the where the income is so low, relatively speaking. And then I know some teachers, they want to make more, they have to get the master's degree and they just really weigh that, you know, it's like, is it worth it? Yeah. Uh, so I feel like if you stripped that financial burden from teachers, if you're not going to increase their pay, then you have to decrease the cost to entry. Something's got to give. And you mentioned that I want to talk about this too. Some of the other exclusive benefits to being a teacher. Sometimes we forget um, like, okay, so talk about, for example, the 403B, right? Because that's different than a 401k and it has some interesting benefits that are exclusive to it. Right. That's, you know, uh, part of the advice that we offer. We also have some advice on handling your student debt um, uh, that we do that in the chapter in higher education. Um, uh, yeah, we really encourage teachers to get a 403B. Uh, the difficulty there is sometimes the districts kind of steer them more toward these insurance products. They only have, you know, this is a employer based program. And so you have to have the cooperation of the school district to take the, the money out of your paycheck uh, pre-tax and put it in into the, your uh, 403B account. Uh, so that's that's why it's really important that teachers get some education about that so that they know that they, uh, insurance products uh, may be a good choice for them. That's just fine. I, I just want people to have their eyes open when they're going into it. Some teachers might well like the security of an insurance product and, and will, are willing to accept the lower benefits as a result. But, but you know, to know that you can set up accounts with people like Fidelity and things like that, where you, you can be more into stocks, especially for young teachers, uh, and uh, 
you know, have a much more vibrant uh, portfolio than you would. And then for the teachers who become the entrepreneurs, uh, you know, we encourage them into the SEP to set up a SEP. That was some of the best advice I ever got in my life was to have the what is it called single employer pension, um, simplified employer yes. pension. Simplified employer pension. Yeah, I have one of those. Yeah. You can contribute, I mean, like 10 times more than you can in an IRA, traditional IRA, and it is tax deductible. So if you are incorporated, this is a must. Yeah. And so the teachers that, and you don't even have to be incorporated. If the teachers have these part-time jobs or, you know, as you're saying, they're doing more entrepreneurial or, or, you know, they're just, uh, yeah, they have the part-time job. They're running the small business. Getting that SEP is a, a wonderful second uh, government uh, or tax advantaged investment plan. And so we encourage people to get maxed out on every tax advantage plan they, they, that's available to them. And then, of course, to set up a, a brokerage account as well. Uh, but first, take advantage of uh, the things that the government offers that have some tax benefits. So, yeah, we really try to get into that. That's especially important for, well, it's important for all teachers to have a 403B. It's especially important for, uh, well, you know, in a private school sector to have the 403B. But then you're, you're probably looking at IRAs there, too, because a lot of private schools uh, either have no 403B. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the preschools don't even offer a 403B plan to their teachers, right? So they're just totally on their own. So to get any tax advantage, they're they're probably getting into Roth IRAs. So then in conclusion, uh, well, not totally in conclusion, because there's much more in the book, but I just want to wrap up some of the things that we have uh, that we have pointed out. So one, teachers, you know, watch out for some of the scams. That often, would you say, would you say that like t- teachers sometimes are targeted by these troubling insurance products, pension That's what products? The, the SEC is yeah. investigating, uh, you know, two or three firms right now. So I guess the answer is yes. I wouldn't mm-hmm. go so far as to call it a scam, but it's not the best investment advice. Okay. Live below your means, good for everyone, but especially critical for teachers who uh, need to save every penny, take advantage of your 403B, maybe open up a brokerage account. And last but not least, maybe this is first on your to-do list, increase your revenue streams. Teachers are just so knowledgeable, so experienced. Your talents should not just be restricted to your specific classroom. You have the internet to leverage. You have your community to leverage. Um, I really encourage teachers to see themselves more as entrepreneurs. I think we agree on that. And, you know, Mark, I think we can also agree that when teachers walk into that classroom feeling more financially confident. Guess what? Now maybe they'll feel more confident teaching financial literacy to their students. And this is something that, you know, I think we could both agree is is far lacking in our education system is giving kids just rudimentary finance 101 before they graduate. And I've heard it from a lot of teachers. I don't want to teach this because I don't know what I'm talking about. Yep. That's a very good point. So equip the teachers with the confidence and pay them more. Whoever's listening, who's in charge of that. (laughs) Can we just give them a salary boost already? It's time. It's time. 
everybody pick up Mark's book. It's a great, great, uh, important book, I think, for all teachers at all levels. Teachers can be financially fit. It's on Amazon. Christmas is around the corner. Hanukkah is around the corner. Thanksgiving is around the corner. A great gift when you're next time gathering around family or just surprise it. Send it to a friend. Send it to a sister who needs it. Really appreciate your time and your work, Mark. Farnoosh, it's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to ask me on the show. Thanks so much to Mark Shug for joining us. The book again is called Teachers Can Be Financially Fit, Economist Advice for Educators. If you have any questions for me for the Friday episode, I know that with the election coming up, you might have some questions about the market, the economy, the job market. Well, we've got a special guest visiting us next week following the election, Greg McBride from Bankrate.com, who's my go-to expert in all economies and all markets. He is my constant. And we're going to tackle your money questions. So take advantage of that. Send me your questions at Farnoosh Tarabi on Instagram. Direct message me there. Or you can email me, Farnoosh, at somoneypodcast.com. And last, you can also go on the website to somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh and submit your question there. Lots of ways to get in touch. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. Money.